Hello and welcome to You, Me and the Economy. A chopper deal falls in choppy waters, while inflation continues to soar. Are we heading towards a global food shortage? Here is your weekly roundup of economy and finance. In its mad rush to sell off the country's strategic assets, the government is appearing more and more desperate. A few days back, its target was the Central Electronic Limited, a profit-making PSU of strategic significance, developing critical frontier technologies for defense and space. It was being sold off to a furniture and interior decorator company for a pittance. After the scam came to the light, it has been put on hold. And now it is Puffin Hunts Limited's turn. Another PSU of strategic significance which has been flying choppers servicing ONGC's offshore rigs. It provides emergency services to remote parts of the country in the northeast and inaccessible forest terrains in central India where no other private company is willing to fly. The buyer this time is Star 9 Mobility Private Limited, registered just six months earlier, a consortium of three companies, Big Charter Private Limited, Maharaja Aviation Private Limited and Almaz Global Opportunity Fund. None of them have any experience in providing offshore services. The scam doesn't end here. It has come to the light that Almaz Global Opportunity Fund is based out of tax haven of Cayman Islands and owns 49% of Star 9 Mobility. In fact, there has been a court order passed against it by an NCLT court just nine days prior to the approval. Yet beyond the concerns of the process, due diligence, valuation and so on, the question regarding the prudence involved in the process of privatizing such PSUs remains. Wheat prices surged across the globe as India imposed a sudden ban on its export. The conflict between Russia and Ukraine, which accounts for 28% of global wheat exports, has led to supply disruptions and increased the demand for Indian wheat. Due to this, the demand for Indian wheat surged beyond MSP. In addition, a dip in production estimates owing to an extremely hot summer in India, which destroyed 15-20% to of the grain, contributed to the hike in the prices. The combined effect of these factors was that the farmers got a better price for their crops elsewhere and did not sell them to the Food Corporation of India. Thus, India experienced a 15-year low in wheat procurement this year. In addition, retail prices of wheat increased, hitting the common man everywhere. This sudden export ban dents India's credibility as a responsible country, especially when just a month ago the Prime Minister announced that India was ready to feed the world. As price of wheat flour went up, India realized its food security is at risk. Analysts expect this to worsen the global food shortage and could drive up prices even further. What's happening with all those promises of monetizing public assets? We have some insights from the railways. In the financial year 2023, Indian Railways is expected to miss the asset monetization target once again. Railways may only raise rupees 30,000 crore out of a target of nearly 57,000 crore. The NMP has proposed to mobilize about rupees 6 lakh crore over a four-year period. And even last year, the railways managed to rake in rupees 800 crore against a target of over 17,000 crore, just 4.5% of the annual goal. The government's efforts to allow private companies to renovate railway station has fallen short. And the national monetization pipeline is struggling to reach its ambitious objectives of asset monetization through private players. Following the financial success of National Highway Authority of India and Power Grid with Invits, the centre is laying the groundwork for similar infrastructure investment trust 
for railways, shipping, gas pipelines and other sectors. As part of the rupees 6 trillion national monetization pipeline, according to a finance ministry official. An INVIT is a collective investment scheme, similar to a mutual fund. This scheme allows individuals and institutional investors to invest directly in infrastructure projects and receive a small percentage of income as a return. In another related development after highways and electricity infrastructure, gas pipelines may be the next government-owned assets to be sold under the infrastructure investment route, with Gale India proposing to earn about Rs 5,000 crore. Additionally, the centre is looking to launch a few more sector-specific invits in the current fiscal year. This demonstrates that INVIT is becoming another major way to monetize assets. INVITs are increasingly being used by private equity investors and infrastructure developers to hold operational infrastructure assets and monetize their investments. In an important move, the Delhi government has decided to ban single-use plastic products in Delhi Secretariat from June 1st onwards. This decision has come ahead of the Central Pollution Control Board's notification informing producers, shopkeepers, street vendors and the general public about the ban on items that the union government considers single-use plastic from July 1st onwards. Single-use plastic, as the name suggests, are those plastic products that have one-time use before they are thrown away. The chemical composition of these plastics that makes them unviable for recycling along with inadequate systems of collection and disposal ensures that most SUPs end up in either landfills or are burnt in the open or cement cleans, releasing toxic fumes in both locations. The notification, however, only includes single-use plastic used in balloons, flags, candy, ice cream and earbuds, thermocol used in decoration, items such as plates, cups, glasses and cutlery, wrapping and packing films used in sweet boxes, invitation cards, cigarette packets, stirrers, and plastic banners less than 100 microns in thickness. This shows that the government is clearly excluding packaging of branded, fast-moving consumer goods. Some of the alternatives that the Delhi Secretariat suggests, like the use of paper cups, are almost as problematic as plastic cups themselves. It is merely an eye wash since these cups are layered with some amount of plastics. The chances of such bans creating a dent in plastic pollution are bleak when the union government is adamant about providing investment zones and large subsidies to petrochemicals which provide the raw material for plastic manufacturing and not really holding large corporations accountable for the plastic they introduce into consumer lives. While banning SUPs on one hand, India hopes to be a hub for petrochemical and plastic production with an eye on the export market. It is time that the government came clean on its intention of tackling the climate crisis and environmental degradation. Looking at the entire life cycle impacts of plastics from production to recycling to final disposal is essential to tackle plastic pollution. On the international front, there has been a significant clamour across multilateral development banks in unlocking, catalyzing and mobilizing private sector resources for development. In the case of ADB, this is embedded in its Strategy 2030, with the target that the bank will expand its private sector operations to reach one-third of its total operations by 2024. Lack of information disclosure, accountability, meaningful consultations and risky sub-projects without adequate MDB oversight are some of the issues being raised by CSOs. In contrast to traditional lending, financial intermediation involves many unknowable variables. 
World Bank's private sector arm, the International Finance Corporation, invests over half of its total portfolio in financial intermediaries. Inclusive Development International and its partners have exposed more than 150 projects funded by IFC intermediaries that are causing serious environmental harm and human rights violations. Center for Financial Accountability is holding a knowledge-sharing session titled Tackling ADB Financial Intermediary Investing. Why does it matter? With NGO Forum on ADB, Recourse, Inclusive Development International, and Building and Woodworkers International. The session is scheduled on Wednesday, 8th of June 2022, and is for social, economic, gender, environmental, and climate justice advocates concerned about NDBs, particularly ADB's opaque FI portfolio. Register for the event with the link in the description box. Action Aid and Eurodad, along with their partners, are launching the newly prepared CSO Handbook. Advocacy on Monetary Policies for Economic Justice on Monday, 23rd May 2022. The handbook has been developed as an instrument to strengthen civil society engagement and advocacy on monetary policies at the national level. Given the recent developments in global economy, characterized by substantial increases in interest rates and inflation, understanding how monetary policies work and how they interact with fiscal policies is more important than ever in the fight for economic justice. The organizations that are involved in bringing this handbook to the market have organized an event that will feature the experiences of national CSOs in Uganda, Tanzania, and Brazil. This event will explore the role that monetary policies can have on the sources of financing available for domestic development. Register for the official release with the link in the description box. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more news and analysis, head to our website www.senfa.org and keep listening to Yumi and the Economy.